to hashtag colonized cannabis podcast episode one to volume two special guest great appearance coming here by rick moriarty of uh, high north labs coming out of ontario and rick is involved in a program uh that brings us a mutual acquaintance out of ontario that way too out of ottawa uh, Gulf, Gulf, Ontario, I guess it would be, through Paul Balder and the Purity IQ group. With no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, as long as I've waited, Rick Moriarty, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you very much for having me. Glad to be here. Excellent. So, uh, Rick, exact, like in that short introduction, exactly where in Ontario boats are you? Are you like pretty close to Toronto or that kind of, or like closer? Absolutely. To I can see Toronto right outside my window. We're about 100 meters north of the border of uh, Toronto. We're just on the north side, basically, of Steeles Avenue, which is the border of Toronto. So, yeah, Toronto is right there. But technically, we are located in Woodbridge, Ontario. So very still cool. part of the GTA and York region, but uh, but yeah, very very local uh, to Toronto and, and easily accessible. So it's great. Excellent. So I mean, quite a quite a distance between us, Rick, and it's interesting yeah. because everything up until uh, meeting recently here has been obviously for us through e correspondence, email, and initially yeah. with uh, your colleagues at your department, uh, both in the lab area or. Uh, 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 clients per client client care, yeah. Client care, exactly. And also finance. So one would be okay. that I'm a participant in the PIQ grower project. And uh, as you see here, I have a plant, SOR 2018-144. This Jamaica Kush is a snipping that survived now roughly at around, uh, going in around the 30-day mark. So very still uh, just out of my nursery not long ago, right? But survived from a flowering plant that you will soon have a uh, product from me this way for my entrance into that program. And in some of my previous, so I've recently appeared with Respect My Region and the North American Weed Tour. And in that process, I've also disclosed my involvement in the program and the importance behind the quality assurance measures, whether myself as a small home grower here in Manitoba, where you can only grow in Manitoba if you are medically certified, uh, as opposed to obviously out east in the Ontario, where so much of the industry actually kicked off. One, we have differing, differing systems provincially where you're up brick and mortar, Manitoba's operating, high, off, operating by hybrid. And that uh, situation you're in there is, is absolutely phenomenal. It's blowing up right now. And I, like as far as that goes, in your proximity and in your involvement, we're looking at three years of regulation. Uh, you would definitely, obviously, in, seen a huge uh start to an, an, an involvement i guess you know what i mean like a creation of yeah. new systems policy changes uh all of that kind of good stuff so in the next few minutes as, as part of your introduction uh if you could just like like enlighten us a little bit as far as uh maybe what you had done previous to the industry becoming the situation with you're involved with now at high north exactly what you do and definitely uh, is that industry absolutely like swarming around you in the nest as, a, as, a, as that information and the product flows into Manitoba? Yeah, thank you. So it, it is, it, I do think it is flowing quite a bit around here. There, like uh, when you even look on my street, for example, multiple neighbors are, are growing in their backyard, right? That likely would never have been growing had it not been uh, legalized. 
So in that sense, it, it's definitely flourishing. Um, a lot of the cust- the clients and, and uh, producers now um, are, are coming out a lot a lot smaller craft grows, for example, are, are coming online, and that's starting to really uh, bring a lot of high quality product to the market. Whereas before, if we were seeing a lot of um, say middle of the line quality product and, and as people were trying to grow at scale where before they were never really allowed to grow at scale before it was legalized they're always you know growing in a basement or or something along those lines or mass outdoor but growing inside at scale is definitely a lot more difficult than um one would assume so uh, that definitely changed a lot over the past now year or so with all the other smaller craft growers coming online bringing some really beautiful product and and really caring about the, the end quality product is has been such a positive uh, change over the last year or so to this industry from what was originally uh when originally started there certainly was some quality product out there but um, not as much as there is now, and it's great to see we've got seven over 700 licensed producers now more in the pipeline too to be licensed. Um, so that I'm looking forward to seeing all the new uh, high quality products. I think that's what's really important. There, there's a niche out there for the the lesser quality product, the price and that kind of stuff, but there still can be some quality product at a cheaper price. And that is that is coming to the market. You are seeing that. Uh, I was in Quebec this weekend for Thanksgiving and went to the SQDC where they the, that's where they're allowed to sell the cannabis. And yeah. there was twenty five dollar eights, right, of, of of some quality product and in a little tuna can and everything, right. So it is nice. nice to see some of those prices get down to more realistic, where the quality is is now on par with that. Um, and then to, to go on your other question where you're asking about uh, where I came from and everything. So I started growing about 22 years ago. Awesome. And processing, making a little bit of honey oil and, and mostly hash. Uh, back then, I, I was big, very fond on hash and growing. So, um, but then it was still highly illegal, right? Um, so I, I, once I started growing and messing with the electrical and everything, I did, I, I did enjoy that. So I did pursue a career. I became an electrician, uh, helped a lot of friends set up grows with their lights and electrical and, and that kind of thing. Right. Um, was on an online community where you still had to be, um, incognito on, on say who you were and that kind of stuff right. because of the, you know, not worried that the police might be knocking on your door for simply growing some medicine and but what I mean by medicine is I think it can be used therapeutic wellness recreational or for medicinal reasons and and a lot of a lot of the medicinal reasons are very valid and and it's it's important that everyone has access to that who needs to but I think we need more education as I mentioned, I was in Quebec, so I was at my aunt and uncle's, and I brought some topical. For example, oh no, I don't want to. I don't want to get high. No, topicals are not going to get. They're not going to be psychoactive or intoxicating at all. It's going to really help. You have sore feet, no problem. Put some on. Uh, my uncle put some on my aunt's feet. Felt better almost right away. No kidding. It's like, wow, where where can I get this? Right. right. So um, you know, education I think has got to go a long way, um, and. We really, Health Canada and, and whoever else really needs to, I believe, promote more education around cannabis, uh, its use, its effects, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, so sorry, to, I kind of went off on a tangent there to go back on where, so where I started. So then um, 
<clears throat> my one of my best friends growing up, my brother's best friend growing up, John, he had started this company called High North where he found a, a void in the cannabis industry when it comes to testing and turnaround times and also not being able to explain a, a certificate of analysis and what it means. Uh, some of these labs that were, say, pharmaceutical, environmental, or whatever else, and then they decided to get into cannabis too. So um, he, he found that, that, that opening, that, that need for more cannabis-driven uh, laboratories. So he tried to get me involved. I just had my first kid and everything. So I was a little bit hesitant and, and, and I was doing well in construction. Uh, so I, I held off a little bit, but then um, he convinced me uh, to come on board. So I came on board and, um, and then we ended up uh, raising some money. We purchased this property and built out uh, High North Laboratories. And then, awesome. the, the, yeah, the, the rest is, is history. We've, we've got a lot of great clients. There's a lot of great people in the industry, and uh, we love to see the high-quality products, especially now as we keep seeing more and more high-quality products. Ever doing sample of the week or butt of the week, and, and it's there's so many to choose from now. It's, <laughs> it's, it's getting it's getting difficult. Where when we first started, it was like, wow, this is a real standout, you know, sample of the week. But now there, there's uh, we could almost be doing sample of the day. But uh, it, to be honest, the only reason I, I, we can't right now is I don't have the time right? <laughs> because it's myself who's doing that. So um, as, we, as we grow, we, we may look into bringing on more uh, samples of the week, samples of the day or whatever the case may be. Uh, but it's just great to see that the industry is, is well, it's flourishing, right? And, right. Uh, and, and more quality is, is coming to market because that's what the consumers are demanding. You like that. Thank that is you. You nailed so much stuff there. It was not absolute. There's no tangent there, man. You nailed yeah. and bringing it full circle in so many ways. The, the education, number one. Anyone following us at this point now, and those that are going to are going to find that that through and through. Whether it was the beginning a year ago or what we present now, education here in Manitoba, 19 plus public cannabis education. Uh, but geared up, obviously, we're getting our hands down to the U.S. now, 21 plus. So as your province. Uh, applies either way that's what we are but even breaking that stigma even more uh, moving that education though into the the system where it actually is going to thrive and flourish and that is to some of the youth under 19 you know or under 18 inappropriate so I mean we take it back at uh, junior high sex education well cannabis education as you mentioned, realistically should become parts of that because that young, curious mind is also, as much as it's impacted differently by cannabis or hemp uh, or medically or not proven to either how, that same effect is going to be proved, like the psychological component of curiosity is going to remain. So, I mean, bringing that information. And I mean, I have a 16-year-old son at our, like we have a 16-year-old son, right? So yeah. that open dialogue there are things that I learned from him even in all of the days I'll spend with my nose in certain books on cannabis or at the internet, uh, the street slang and the mentality of where that 16 year old person is, you know, when it comes to cannabis and it's interesting man, because they're a huge demographic. I mean, that's not just my own child with those types of uh, ideologies right now about what it is. Right. So, that whole standardization process, whether it is in the lab and uh, the COAs and regulations and policies, 
the standardization on education has to also become part of that whole platform. So that is a big portion of it. Like you mentioned, Flourish. Uh, we are also Flourish like uh, consulting previously. So a bit of a kick up for us was that Indigenous uh, consultation services and cultural awareness, uh, culturally appropriate training, youth uh, role modeling. So uh, 2007, I was awarded a National Aboriginal Role Model Award. So okay. all of that had snowballed, eventually snowballed, because I was a cannabis consumer in most of those. So I've consumed cannabis in Ottawa, right? Prior to legalization, New York, Mexico, man, like, like you know, very similarly. And uh, from the time I learned very young, uh, well, as an adult, 19, but exposed culturally in the cannabis community and cannabis culture, uh, my green thumb, I also practiced that quite early at, you know, beginning at 19, off and on university, a plant here and plant there. And it was never anything that was uncommon in the, uh, in the environments that I was accustomed to, which were, you know, not grow operations. They were professional people, people that as I began to volunteer and, and be involved with organizationally, right? That has always yeah. been through two decades. Cannabis has been here in Canada and North America. It's obvious. So also bringing that back then where you touched upon, we, we mentioned Ontario, <clears throat> kind of coming out of the gate stronghold, brick and mortar style. You're hitting the 700 marker on grow, grow like growers, licensed producers. Here in Manitoba, we're floating still at around the 20. And uh, that projection for Canada from Health Canada themselves originally, as in a year from now, October 2022, for Manitoba to have 100 growers minimum. So that's a, that's a huge climb. Yeah, it's going to be great for sure. And it opens the doors for many people. And we're hoping, and I know I'm not alone when I talk to other Manitobans that have become more familiar with us and uh, retailers, especially, but tenders that I talk to and what we do. Uh, we also have, have uh, Pyrus Year Cannabis Incorporated, which is on the back burner. And that's been uh, like in the, that, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say on the back burner. It's, it's, it's growing. It's uh, simmering, so to speak. And the, the ingredients of that are coming together and people are familiar because as part of our uh, backlinking process as we become uh, more branded with Flourish Ventures Limited. And that whole process that I take on that approach is sharing the statistics or pointing people in the right direction on how is Manitoba when we do hit the 100 mark. So we have Flourish Ventures Limited. If you see, if you visit our website, the hemp and cannabis rope and sales, uh, you know, kind of idea behind the uh, the ship is our brand, and we're not a cannabis brand, Flourish Ventures Limited. So we don't target or appeal to youth as a cannabis promotion. Uh, and we've separated our platform to where we are today, right now. And so by bringing that, I project and want to be more involved in that process of farm game. And lately, and, and, and here in Manitoba, as the information flows, what I've become familiar with is uh, that system in Ontario seems to be taking off quite well. And that whole smaller system of food, uh, uh, well, even at federal legislation, very often in the ag, ag sector of things like that, food or farm or table, was it food to food to sale? Farm to table. Farm to table, is. right. Yeah. So, I mean, if we, we're familiar to the platform, here it's applying in the cannabis. I'm looking at helping uh, Manitoba hit that 100 mark with uh, my wife and I as First Ventures Limited and recently hiring our technical assistant. So, Keeping everything full circle, including our social media, all that's going to become very more prominent in our positioning right now in Manitoba. And that whole concept right then and there comes to, comes to that. 
when we can pull pyrogerbic cannabis together, we would want it to look at something like that. Very craft medical grow, uh, for sale medical grow licensing. And then a, as regulations lift and CBD becomes a more regulated product, looking at uh, a larger outdoor manageable crop. So we are positioning all of that stuff into play. Uh, tell me a little bit more about Ontario's rollout, where they're at right now, the farm gate, how it's impacted. I know you mentioned the far, like the smaller, uh, the batches that come in, the more craft product, you're seeing multiples of it. And is that going to slow down at all for Ontario? And what does Manitoba have to look forward for too? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to slow down at all. The, I mean, the demand for, for cannabis is only growing. People from even from other countries are trying to uh, t- speak with Canadian producers. I want your product, Israel and Europe and, and right. Mexico and all these other um, uh, all these other countries are, are speaking to Canadian producers to try and get their product exported into or imported into their country, exported out of Canada. So the demand nationally and internationally seems to only be growing. When it comes to just Ontario, uh, Farmgate has been has been doing pretty well, I think, now. The Station House, as you mentioned, uh, Bull Rider Store is going to be opening very soon in Brampton. Thrive Cannabis and Greybeard Cannabis, they opened theirs a little while ago. Uh, they're down by Lake Erie. I can't remember the name of the, I think it's near Port Dover. Maybe I'm wrong though. Um, and then also RC, RC Royal, RC Cannabis Supply in Etobicoke, not too far from us, uh, is open their farm, farm gate store as well. So those are the four that I'm aware of. There very well may be more. And if, and if there is, have to add on to them. I'm not sure. And hopefully there are more that, that are coming. It's great because there's a couple that are local to us, local to me here that I can drive and go check out uh, when, when Bull Rider and, and RC as well. The other two are a little bit farther of a drive for myself. And I think that's one of the the things with the farm gate is you have to be where your your production is, right? right. A lot of the productions, they're not, they're not downtown Toronto, right? So, um, and where real estate is so expensive. And if you're going to have a large grow, then now you also have to have a large or not a large, but you have to also have a retail aspect to do the farm gate. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I think within the city, that's going to be a, um, very difficult, but outside the city or the, or the city and the outskirts and, and smaller towns, that's going to be very cool. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of those open. Uh, I can't wait to check out all four of those that, that I brought up. Awesome. Uh, going to be it's it's cool and i i wish they could do more like you know selling even uh alcohol food other little things like that it would be kind of cool visit the grow up and have sit down have a meal and and that kind of thing right um a little bit more of a tourist aspect almost to it Uh, not something you're going to every day but yeah that would be pretty cool and I, i think eventually perhaps the regulations may relax on that as you mentioned the regulations with cbd are you anticipating you think that it will become a natural health product type regulation for cbd well, um, I, only? Not well, not entirely. See, in in a small pool forums as well. So I mean, we're also yeah. looking at another discussion on the table about Delta Eight products, right? Yeah. And Delta Ten. So I mean, looking ahead at some of the extractions that, whether medically or recreationally, uh, one I think ultimately we see it here in Manitoba. It's a common in Canada. Pet nutrition. Yeah. And then the uh, growing. Uh, demographic of Canadian physicians who are becoming who all who have been familiar to but uh, opening up to the practicing of that as well as uh, child medication so whether it's THC or CBD product that way right 
so, I mean, is looking down the road at some of those regulations lifting and then the, uh, but yeah, I mean, so the CBD, definitely the hemp production. And it's and why, why I would project down that as far as some of the medians and to what we're going to hit with that stuff. <clears throat> In my last discussion with our CTLS consultant, uh, what she was indicating then, if we were and why we're looking. So when I mentioned that we're looking at the possibility of obtaining land or land and getting out of town onto a, uh, an estate, I guess, or starting our estate. And then that also includes our CTLS buildup on what, what the site would look like overall. And so when we pitched in the hemp production, uh, coming from a hemp producer who is, is looking to, to build with us if we obtain the land, that obtaining the hemp license right now for Manitobans has been, is part of this process I mentioned. It's, it's almost guaranteed for one to be less than 60 days. So wow. with, with that in mind right now being brought to the table, then I'm looking at even previous discussions that have to do with uh, the rollout of legalization in 2018, which had, uh, for, a, for an instant, some CBD-regulated product before it was withdrawn in, the, in revision, right? And, uh, or amendment, sorry. Then those individuals that I've connected with, they're, they're have, they haven't really gone anywhere. So their involvement still in other organizations and such, pretty much that's where I'm looking or indicating that, that at some point those regulations will be pulled back in. But to what extent, who knows they could be, right? We could end up sitting on hemp that is used only for textiles and maybe not medication for anybody or anything. But the idea, the open mind concept and looking at it all uh, so far has guided us fairly well to where we're going. Uh, I don't, I don't hesitate to reach out for affirmations and confirmations and then taking the feedback on something that it doesn't work or looking at altering our plans that way. But yeah, I feel strongly, man. Like I don't see, I don't see how they, like they or the governments or even like when we look at it globally, uh, where countries and, and states that are operating in CBD, like they, like Franny's Pharmacy, for example, and, and the stronghold in the hemp industry and the, the CBD extraction process for medic, Medicaid, pharmaceutical specifically, uh, you know, if COVID and, and as it's impacted, if, if, if the cannabis industry has played a, its part in COVID recovery for that level, level of government, then CBD regulations wouldn't... Uh, definitely wouldn't impede any of that planning, right? It's just they're going to take the right people involved on how does it roll out and what is it. So, I mean, you look at some of those products that are being labeled harmful and uh, even all that still brings it full back circle to your initial kickoff on the discussion on the labeling packaging and kicking it off with this, the hard time reading the COAs. And so before we get too far gone and, and then pulling it back, we can look at some of that from your perspective. So taking it, obviously recognizing the weakness in the labeling and packaging and the brand marketing to the, the evolution of high North labs. And now the labeling and packaging as you might see it coming in on product from licensed producers, uh, whether it meets requirements or not, how it's going out, future recommendations on how that's coming. Uh, you and I both have acknowledged certain things here. And one of the, the, the public acknowledgements I've made recently and LinkedIn had to do with the suggestion on one, I've seen a fantastic upgrade to a Canadian uh, labeling for a brand. 
which comes fully loaded with terpene retina or like a terpene profile where its placements are full on cannabinoid, like overall total cannabinoid readings, specific high notes in its hybrid uh, state or whatever of the flower. And it is, I believe, from out of Ontario. I, I didn't jot it on my list here today. I'd have to dig it up out of there. But I made a public comment on it because of the reality that sometimes through all the brand labeling, through all the packaging and, and the things you've seen come, come around that way, uh, the whole component of previous to where some of these places I mentioned, I have previously purchased cannabis and consumed it safely. Uh, it came at times in twist off, it twist off, twisted off end of a grocery bag, right? And yeah. that cannabis stayed perfectly well until it was consumed. It might have dried out a little bit more, too dry for a joint, right? It hits the bong or the pipe. So is that something you're seeing? Is that potential? When do we get uh, alleviation on brands to really highlight their products in Canada potentially? Where do you stand with that? Is it simple as eventually coming air packed in a tight little package with the all of the information you really need on just say a tag or something, right? Like those old yeah. gum bags, little bags of gum, gum candies used to when we kids so I think it, it, it is difficult too with the regulations and and you're dealing with not only help Canada regulations but you're dealing with whatever provincial body you're selling it to or if you're selling it to a medical platform like shoppers or shelter or something like that that then right. sell to their medical patients um, you, you're dealing with also their specific regulations on top of whatever the cannabis regulations may be speaking to so they, I think there needs to be a little bit, uh, definitely a change to the regulations to loosen them up a little. Right. And I don't mean just, you know, re- remove the regulations and let them do whatever they want. No. Not at all. No. But um, they, they need more flexibility. It's a natural product. You've dried it. You've hopefully cured it. And uh, then you're ready to pack it, test it, package it, label it, and sell it. But all of that takes time. So we're, we're doing our best for a turnaround time to get them the, the COA as quick as possible so that they can then, then order their labeling. And then once they get the labeling, they can package it. And, and, and then what? They have to also sometimes sit on it for a while or they sell it to a provincial body that then sits on it for a little while till they're ready to sell it or to the medical platform. So then it just takes longer and longer. And you look at the package date and, and some of it is difficult to get out there as quick as possible. Again, it should go through all the proper procedures, proper steps, but there needs to be more flexibility in those proper steps to to get it to the market quicker, get it into the consumer's hands quicker. Uh, and of course, obviously, safely. We don't want anything with, with contaminants getting out to the market and we only want or preferably want uh, at least choices for sure when it comes to quality. Some people are maybe on a budget, may want more uh, flour, cheaper flour, and maybe they're making their own edibles that they prefer because there's only 10 milligram limit uh, here by Health Canada. Myself, I'm not a, I have a low tolerance, but I know a lot of people that have a huge tolerance, like my partner, John, for example, yeah. or even my wife. Uh, they both have high tolerances. Yeah, 10 milligrams is nowhere enough. And then you don't want to be munching on the sugar or, or whatever else just to, to hit that right dosage for, for yourself. So certainly around the edibles, around the packaging and labeling. And then when it comes to the labeling, it is difficult too, right? We get one representative sample. Health Canada has not regulated the maximum lot size. So that's up to the producer. 
So if they want to make 200 kilograms, 600 kilograms, 60 kilograms, whatever they want as their max batch size uh, or their batch size, I mean, that's up to them. And then they only need to take one representative sample from that and submit it to the to their laboratory for testing for both quality and contaminant for the label. So that um, and as a longtime grower, I know that certain strains too have way more variability when it comes from bud to bud, plant to plant within the same room, all coming from the same mother even. Uh, other strains could have almost bang on every bud you grab is almost the exact same every time you test it, no matter what top, mid, you know what I mean? This plant, that plant, left side, right side, but other ones are extremely, um, it can be extremely different. So there's more of a range as far as the terpenes. I definitely think that those should be posted on, on the label. I'm a big believer that total THC, well, it's not just me. There's plenty out there and that's part of the education. Total THC is not potency. That is not what determines the potency. That's your total THC, which is about one of five or six different factors that will affect the potency on an individual. Uh, everyone's endocannabinoid system is different. As I mentioned, I have a low tolerance, John, my, my partner, my wife, they both have high tolerances. Yes, right. uh, so, and it doesn't matter, you know, if you're big, small, male, female, whatever gender does not matter. Uh, everyone's endocannabinoid system is different. So total THC is not mean potency. And also a lot of producers that, especially at the start that I've found that I've toured some of the facilities and, and with my uh, growing background, they may do a great job in, in, in uh, producing the product. And then they are in such a rush to get it to the market. Oops, sorry, that they, um, that they mess it up and, and do not have high quality products because they're not properly taking the time to dry it. They're not curing it at all. Or any, and, and then if they need to, um, if they're irradiating or anything else like that as well. So to get the product to the, uh, to the market quicker is going to be a, a big help in, in having that freshness that, you know, crack in that jar, that bag or whatever it may be. Yeah. And, and having the proper labeling on there, whether it is a range or if it is this particular sample or, or the, this particular representative sample is tested at this. If you add other things on there, or even a, why not add a link, an RFID or something, a link to the, to the third party lab COA, then the customer can actually look at the COA and we can help provide education on how to read that. We also have a simplified COA with bar charts and all that kind of stuff. And, cool. and because mainly uh, you may not really need to understand all about all the contaminant testing that you may well mercury why is mercury even in this cannabis you know but uh, there's limits and levels that have been tested by other regulatory bodies that that feel if you're inhaling if you're ingesting these are the safe limits for a contaminant cannabis is not a sterile product nowhere near it's got a nice natural microbiome and that is what is going to produce a healthy plant so with regards to understanding the contaminants, I don't think that's a huge part. You should know that it's been, it's passed, it's clean, right. uh, but we need to provide, I think, more education and, and visibility on the terpenes and the cannabinoids and on what other cannabinoids may do. You may have this, this particular uh, product that's higher in CBG or, you know, the CBD or the bal. I'm a fan of balanced flower too. A nice one-to-one -one with high terpenes, I think is, is awesome. Uh, especially daytime and that kind of, of uh, 
of a smoke is, is, is great. So, and then extracts, making extracts and you're almost able to, I don't mean manipulate, but you're able to somewhat control the inputs going into that extract and something like behind myself here, that's from Colson's cannabis. That's the animal face live rosin from that was grown by Carmel. So those are, are high quality products and there's other, um, other manuf- other producers out there that are also doing high quality and awesome solvent products. This one's a solventless one. They're both equally great. As long as we provide the education on why they're equally great and why what's in this, these terpenes and this mercine and pharmacine and all this kind of stuff. I think that will go a lot longer way than, um, than just adding more stuff on a label or, or making them displayed differently and things like one, one thing that uh, was recently come to light from a few different labels is putting the harvest date as well as the package date, where everyone is just putting package date right now. And, and a lot of people online are saying, well, I need to see the harvest date because it doesn't matter when they harvest or when they packaged it, when did they actually harvest it? But then as one LP mentioned, uh, well, but it doesn't take into account that I cure it for 30 days. Okay, so that's where we need to be able to have more flexibility to add more things on the label. And even better, I still think that link to a third party COA, uh, that'll, that'll help a lot, I think. I, I, you're, you're, I agree with you, definitely, because that, that, his, that it, one, that communication and the education behind the grow method, <clears throat> it might actually even, uh, as far as market base goes and consumer base goes, it might resonate with other growers, people that uh, that haven't come out saying they grow even right, like just preferred yeah. method, preferred style, or like myself, that might even uh, if that's on their website, even as if it's not like on that COA, but or access to it, if it's on their website, which I I try to commonly visit with my reviews, I like to take note of that if they and it's not it's not a common thing, but the odd brand will put on their website uh, their growing methods, their preferred methods, how it was whether they. The style of feed, the uh, natural light or not, and, and you know what I mean, flushing and yeah. all of that. So yeah, absolutely. It's but part of it. The, yeah, yeah. The the one thing to add on to that too is that you know back in the the old days, the legacy days, we never got any of that information. Based the, pretty well, the only thing we may have got was indoor or outdoor, and possibly strain name. Other right. than that, you didn't have much, but. There was everyone was being was hiding an incognito and, and and that kind of stuff. Now on the legacy market, a lot more brands and there's certain great ones like even Kind Selections. You know, he's a guy that's doing testing and putting it on his and his labels. That's awesome. I'm so happy to see that. It's getting that's helping more for the education on both sides of things, right? We all want the same thing. We all want quality products to the consumers that need it, whether it's medical or therapeutic or recreational or whatever. But um, you know, I think that uh, now that we're able to offer more education, and we're working on on, on an education uh, side of things as well too, uh, kind of a third party education that that I think will help as well. But also, Health Canada or the provincial bodies, they, I believe they need to be doing more to educate uh, the consumers as well. Because especially if you want now to be, it to be open to everybody the, of legal age, we'll say, um, other than certain children with uh, 
that have a medicinal need. And that was one of the reasons we chose Sick Kids Foundation for our golf tournament that we did a charity golf tournament uh, fundraiser. Yeah, so we, we chose Sick Kids for a few reasons, but one of them was that they had a program, an R&D program, where they were testing uh, the use of cannabis on, on children who had certain uh, medical ailments, not just the common one that we've we've all seen, like in Charlotte's, uh, right. Charlotte for seizures, a certain type of epilepsy, for example, right? Yes, Asperger's, Asperger's right. Uh, yeah, so, so it was great to see that they they were doing taking some initiative, and and uh, we've offered to help in any way we can. Uh, I, so it, it is nice, and, and I hope more places like Sick Kids will be able to do stuff, not just for children. They're obviously focused on children, but for for anyone that um, can can benefit from the use of cannabis or cannabis products, be happy to provide them with with education and and get the the word out there that this is not you know some some dirty street drug. Exactly. Man. The cannabis plant is it, got so many different uses, and and you even mentioned even hemp and, and which is which is cannabis, just less THC, um, for textiles. My wife is a textile designer, and she purchases some some quality hemp material as well, and makes some of these hemp beanies and all this kind of stuff. And Ugh. and yeah, and, and it's really cool. And and the usage of, for rope and for paper, and instead of cutting down this forest, seeing what they're doing in BC is is ridiculous right now with the old growth. So I I wish we had more uh, hemp farms, just even for textile and 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 rope and paper and all that kind of stuff, right? So, but without the education, it's difficult, right? That's yeah. Without without getting it out there, man, it's just us on the phone kind of deal, you know. But so we're that's it. We're taking it. Look where we've done. Hit those markers, man. Today, this is a a, a beautiful discussion. Straight education. I've learned a pile of things from you in this short time. I've learned of a, a few places I plan to visit on the brick and mortar style awesome. in the farm gate. Definitely want to look more into what Ontario's trail like. I, I came at you with one, man. You've, you've spit off six. So, I mean, already that statistics is worth getting out now. So, when I, that's the little things that I do. I'm here at home today. Uh, wrapping things up, I just wanted to bring it around full circle. So, as far as outside of the regulations go, in the meantime, that education, decolonize cannabis, the platform that stands for that uh, smashing stigma and getting the proper education out to all of the appropriate audiences. And uh, we're family gentlemen here, as you mentioned, you know, my wife supports what I do as well. Uh, we're both looking at working together, how, how we do that now and what we do in the future and everything coming together that way, full swing. And in the meantime, what I'm going to be rocking hard for is the decolonized cannabis platform. And that's just, you know, what it is. It allows people to come to the, and that's, that's what I like to ask in closing some of these things, as far as that goes. Then I have one, one kind of company off the wall question, but I'd like to hear your sure. professional scientific opinion on it. Uh, but one, ultimately what we're doing, it makes sense. Does it make sense to your colleagues in preparation for the episode and explaining who, what uh, we do here in Manitoba that we've now reached out to a North American audience. And that ultimately that is what we're doing here. We're not looking for monetary ultimately, like you said, man, it's a beautiful situation. Uh, if anything we could ever do, is help other people in those situations, whether it's generating funds for their projects or getting involved in the, uh, you know, the, the actual movement, the culture, the community movement, and continually paying it forward this way. So that, uh, 
that one I'm here interested to know just where you stand with with this type of platform and if it benefits you guys in the future I would love to, to channel your educational stuff always through our platform we're always going to be here for you for that man yeah thank you I, I would love to do more more of this kind of stuff and anything to spread the, the word that you know cannabis is not a dirty street drug and and how we can we can benefit from it the the decolonized cannabis the the breaking the smashing the stigma breaking the stigma there's there's multiple different groups out there that are trying to do the same type of thing and we need to just kind of get together or or, or and and completely uh get rid of the stigma around it and, and if it's podcasts if it's edu- webinars education whatever the case may be i, I myself john high north we, we have our full support in, in that uh, we only want to see cannabis uh, get bigger and, and better out there and not just in canada and, and the fact that it's it's treated the same as say fentanyl in, in the states federally is ridiculous right um so the the opioid crisis too and and how can cannabis help with the opioid crisis and because there is um you know a lot of people that are dying from this opioid crisis and perhaps instead of being prescribed all these opioids maybe they could have been prescribed some cannabis or a topical a cannabis topical or, or even cannabis pills or anything like that right it's not saying everyone should be smoking a joint um, but it, 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 usage of cannabis in a proper way to uh, help alleviate any of the symptoms that they may be having, uh, yes. or even PTSD and veterans and, and stuff like that, right? I, I think it would go a long way in, in the world if um, that was an option. They may not like it, it may not be for them, that's okay, but at least if it's an option, exactly uh, instead of having to go to a street corner or something like that right i'm not talking in canada just internationally then i think it it, it will go a long way and and will help benefit uh, the world and the fact with hemp and, and reading those stats on growing hemp for, for paper versus trees for paper is just crazy yeah. uh the, the fact that the government in, in multiple countries, not just Canada, haven't stepped up to do more and give more farmers incentive to be growing cannabis as a crop for, say, like I said, for paper or textiles right on, or whatever. Right off the bat in an agreement, right? Like, yeah, right, right it, it, it's, it's crazy. And I think that's where uh, we really need to be heading in all types of directions, medical, recreational, and industry for hemp and all that kind of stuff. So um, I hope that I'm not sure if that answered what you're asking. It, it does, John. Uh, yeah, Rick, sorry. It does absolutely, man. It, 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 yeah. no, and you even hit on, again, another point. It's come up in your, uh, like, you, you, you're, I know, you're a scientist, man. You're in a lab, so it makes sense for this type of information to come up. And then I think in our phone discussion, I brought it up. But I spit it out the other night on, on uh, the North American Bee Tour. And my response in some of this uh, discussion that I'm looking at, and, and I, I'm, again, I brought up to you, is, the human responsivity. So you've mentioned the ECS. We all have an ECS. It all responds differently to different products. You and I might obviously respond differently to, we might say, so that's exactly where I'm going. And I brought it up, but you and I generationally looking at biodome and you brought up and then another discussion here today was the, uh, the test, the test study involving, uh, children, medicate, medicated children. So, I mean, when and if is that from that perspective of your involvement to stuff in the Canadian cannabis industry and even looking at it to the to the or is it whether it would be a, a who uh, level of involvement in that but that exactly when when uh, when is the industry going to be looking at that type of uh, 
the human study specifically so that we could dialect also on that not only uh, a standardized system that now we're looking at a tag that we both understand that this flower is exactly what it is and in this extraction form this is what it does but where when and if ever the human trial studies are going to say this is your ECS this is my ECS and this also tells us how our ECS will respond to this product yeah I I don't know if that if it'll ever be able to to do that because everyone's ECS is so different and their metabolism and and all that kind of stuff right so it it but I think that we can be doing better to get closer to that for sure um, I'm just not 100%. There are human trials going on, um, some in Canada and some in other Israel, even in some in other countries like that. But there's just there's not enough funding behind it because of the government and like the states, as I mentioned, it's federally illegal there. I heard did hear that they're now building a the third licensed facility from like federally licensed facility in the states for R&D. The first one is in something like Georgia or Alabama or one of those states down there. And, and I've seen pictures of what they're producing there for these human trials. And it looks like, hey, I, it looks absolutely terrible. So <laughs> un- unfortunately, they're not taking it seriously. I think they're just kind of ticking a box. Yeah, we, we do some stuff, some trials over there or whatever, right? Uh, but they're not taking it seriously. That's where it, the government or the medical, like public health or whoever it would be, right. need to take it a little bit more seriously, need to provide some funding. I, I believe they do, but I don't think it's enough. We're not involved in any human trials, so I'm not, I'm not very up, up to date on that here in Canada. Uh, but I do see some of the results from some of the studies, even certain things like, uh, my wife is part of a Facebook group that this girl, Ashley Brown, called She Can, and she's done a great job of this group. But it's all, unfortunately, there's, it has to be um, all like behind closed doors. They have to use the broccoli emoji, all these things like that, because Facebook group will shut it down. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and there's not enough research. They, they go in there and they say, for migraines, I tried this product from you know, uh, the Atlas uh, Transdermal Patches, for example. And, and it worked great for me. And this girl said, oh, it didn't work great. And all these other ones, yeah, I tried it here. I tried it like that. And that's how they're communicating. And that's how they're medicating themselves by a Facebook chat group that uh, Ashley created, and which is awesome. But unfortunately, why is there not a better option? Right. Like, why are they having to put broccoli emojis and not saying weed or, or whatever exactly. word buzzword is going to shut the group down? And it's only for the benefit of, of everyone, benefit of all Canadian, um, the, po- the population here in Canada. If they have, I don't know why the government doesn't see that incentive. If, you know, she's got a migraine and can't leave her house, she's not going, she's not, you know, using gas, spending money at the store, this and that, bringing more uh, income and, and spreading the wealth around the country because she's stuck at home in a basement with a migraine. So why the government is not stepping up is, is beyond me, but um, I hope that eventually that will change, but we'll see. It needs people like yourself to, to help get the word out there and to decolonize cannabis, as you say, right? Absolutely. I was just going to say the same thing about you, Rick. <laughs> Man, I appreciate your time today. I think everyone's going to appreciate it. Volume 2, Episode 1 premiere, my man. You nailed it. It was beautiful. I hope Thank your you. colleagues give you a, a I hope they got a steak supper for you tonight, man, and I'll pat you on the back. We'll run you through a, hot, a line of high fives, buddy. You deserve it All for right. sure. Decolonized okay. Cannabis, everybody. <laughs> www.venturesventureslimited.com. 
Check out our website. Follow us on YouTube, uh, Anchor FM, Spotify, and everything else will be going up on uh, the Premier Post. So uh, any last words, Rick? I'll leave it with you to close out, man. Any love you want to throw out there? Anything else? Yeah, just thank you very much. I appreciate you reaching out. I appreciate uh, having the opportunity to speak with you and, and to be on Volume 1, uh, sorry, uh, Episode 1, Volume 2 of, of your podcast. Looking forward to uh, seeing it online and helping share and spread the word. All right, man. Take care. Talk to you again. Thank you. You too.